Alumna Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. I know a place where dreams are born, and time is never planned. It's not any job. You can find it in your heart Never, never land It might be miles beyond the moon Or right there where you stand Think of lovely things And your heart will fly on wings To never, never lie And you will have a treasure If you stay there More precious father found your way there You will never never grow So come with me where dreams are born and time is never And your heart will fly on wings To never, never
And your heart will fly on wings forever Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is uh, considered an expert in corporate sustainability. Um, she studied at uh, University of Wisconsin, Wharton School, and Dartmouth College. She's also the author of a new book called Planting a Seed, Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living. Her name is Kate Gartner, and she joins me by phone. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you for having me. Um, Kate, I've seen you referred to as a uh, uh, corporate sustainable or corporate sustainability expert and a CSR expert. What is the R for? Oh, R is for responsibility. I had a feeling. (laughs) It's a term that's used, but used less often these days. Um, which, Which kind of begs the question, you've been working in this field for more than a couple of decades and I'm of the impression that people are starting to catch on that you know people are more accepting of the idea that maybe we should be uh, a little bit more concerned about sustainability. Um, Are corporations coming along as well? They are. Uh, I would say not as fast as I would like and I would I'm sure that there is a a great roar behind me um, in approval <laughs> of that statement. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the Paris Climate Accord that happened in December of 2015 was a catalyzing event. Um, and then with the Biden-Harris administration that came in this year, I think there was a recommitment to that and also a lot of noise, quote-unquote, uh, around wanting to do more to mitigate the climate crisis. And I think corporations sort of, you know, definitely have um, stood up straighter and said, yeah, I-, I think we're concerned. We're hearing it from our consumers and our employees, and we want to do something more than what we've been doing over the past, what, 40 or 50 years. As we look at some of the messages that we're getting from corporate America, and, and you know, of course, my show is based in Flint, Michigan. Uh, Detroit is right down the road, and, and so we're always keenly aware of what the car companies are saying. Um, but they're talking about... Uh, electric vehicles, and there's a lot of uh, battery research going on. And the the thing is, is that electric vehicles still rely on electricity, which is still being provided by uh, fossil fuels in, in a lot of ways, either natural gas or coal. 
And, and, and I guess my question is, as we hear these things, that you know, they're saying, you know, we're going to be completely electric in five or ten years. Is that a, a um, zero-sum game? I don't think it's a zero-sum game. I, I, I hear you. We, so if they, the batteries that need to be charged for the zero-emitting vehicles um, rely on the grid. Uh, and so parts of the grid are dirtier than others. Um, you know, the southern part of the United States is fairly dirty. And the coasts are getting greener by the day. And then you have patches, you know, for instance, Chicago. I mean, they, they rely on a lot of nuclear energy. Um, and they're, you know, they're greening the grid. So we have to green the grid. And that's part of what the Biden and Harris administration wants to do, which is incent utilities to green the grid. But corporations are also moving in that direction. So they're, uh, they're buying... PPAs or VPPAs, which is power purchase agreements, which help to develop renewable energy, um, you know, wind farms and solar farms and, and the like to green our grid. Um, so it's not a zero-sum game. Yes, uh, you know, to plug in your car in Atlanta is going to be definitely dirtier than if you do it in Washington State, but uh, it's better than constantly filling up your car with gas that just you know, spews fumes every time you start that engine. And when you, um, of course, you mentioned uh, President Biden, and he made a campaign pledge, and he's he's continued to follow up on it so far, that the U.S. was going to reconnect with the, the Paris Climate Accord and become a, a model citizen with regard to uh, pursuing sustainability. And he just recently said that he'd like to see us uh, carbon-free by 2030. Is that... That seems a little bit um, overly optimistic. That's eight years away, and there's still an awful lot of gas-guzzling vehicles, and uh, you know, like you said, down south, a lot of uh, a lot of coal-emitted electricity. So, is is that doable, and and how is it doable? Mm-hmm. So, just to, just to clarify what you said a little bit. So he, the U.S. has yeah, said that we are going to reach net carbon neutrality by 2050, that he wants to half our carbon emissions 50, 52% by 2030. Oh, um, okay. All right. Because uh, I had heard the 2050 figure, and then all of a sudden I started seeing 2030 everywhere, and I was like, wait a minute. But he's saying let's get halfway there by 30? Yeah, let's get halfway there. And th- and this is, again, going back to the Paris Climate Accord and the fact that, you know, um, COP26, the Paris Climate Accord was COP25. Uh, so that's happening right now for all the leaders or, you know, some 200 leaders in Glasgow. Um, and so th- it, said, it said, hey, let's please set interim goals to then get to the, the carbon neutrality goal of by 2050. Um, you know, it's hard. <laughs> It's going to be really, really difficult. And I think that we need to green our 
grids, and that's what he was trying to do, is to incent the utilities or disincent the utilities to um, rely on fossil fuels. There is now, because of wrangling between the Democrats and the Republicans, this idea of implementing a carbon tax. Um, and that's a scary thing for a lot of consumers and, of course, for corporations. The corporations don't like to be taxed. Um, and the consumers hate the, 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 the word tax. Um, but it's this idea of saying, hey, listen, we need, again, I'm using the word incense, but in, in quotation marks, right? This idea that we need to push entities uh, away from cheap fossil fuels. And the way to potentially do that is with the carbon tax. It's actually been fairly successful in, in a handful of countries. But to make fossil fuels so expensive or too expensive or expensive enough that people are like, you know what, I, I'm, it's not even worth it anymore to me. I'm going to get rid of my combustion engine car. I'm going to buy a hybrid or an EV. Um, I am... You know, I'm, I'm not going to rely on natural gas, maybe my stove, and I'm going to, you know, have an electric stove. It's just too expensive now, fossil fuels. And it helps these incentives, this carbon tax, helps people move the needle towards sourcing renewable energies. And I, I want to quote, it's an, it's an older article. It's an article that was written by John, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher his name, but Wib, Wibby. He's an assistant professor of journalism at Northeastern University, but he wrote an article back in 2016 for the Yale Climate Connections. And he basically said this carbon tax, um, this policy structure, if it's levied on the oil refineries and the natural gas terminals and pipelines and coal mines, you know, the, the oil and gas and coal industries, it could cover 98% of the U.S.'s CO2 emissions, which would pretty much, you know, get get America to like 45% reduction in carbon emissions by 2030. So it could significantly get us um, to those goals. More with corporate sustainability expert and author Kate Gartner straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, mistress of the dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. 
Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. More with corporate sustainability expert and author Kate Gartner straight ahead. What about um, John Q. Public? I, I mean, they... Th- People seem to be pretty accepting of this idea, but they're really expecting corporate America to ju- just deliver products that don't pollute. Mm-hmm. They are, uh, and there's a long way to go there. What what can what can regu- well let let me back up and and remind people about your new book. It's called Planting a Seed: Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living. Let's let's talk about those three simple steps because I'm all about simple, Kate. <laughs> I try, I try. There, there's so many things that are complicated in this life. Um, what do you want to know? Do you want me to talk about how to get there? Yeah, I, I mean, really, from a general public kind of way, what can people do? Um, it, because you just you just touched on it when you said so many things are complicated. People look at all this and they hear all the wrangling and they see these 
G7 and 8 and 20 meetings and, yeah. and you know and and they really don't know what they can do but they can do a lot. They just aren't really sure about it. So what I was hoping is is that we might pluck from your book some advice for the average person. Okay. So what the average person can do, and I'm, and I'm going to focus on three categories, is very similar to what the federal government, you know, our nation needs to do and what corporations um, are doing and need to continue to do, which is we need to green our grid. We need to move away from fossil fuels, right, to some form of renewable energy because they are naturally occurring and they don't emit carbon and greenhouse gases into the atmosphere that are that's causing the climate crisis. So in when we as individuals sort of consider, quote-unquote, our carbon footprint, um, and that's a hard concept to understand, uh, we need to really focus in on three categories. Transportation, how we get ourselves around, how do we get ourselves to work, even though most of us are still at home, but doing our daily activities, right? Dropping the kids off at school, going grocery shopping, going to the pharmacy, et cetera. We need, that's transportation. Second is the energy that we use. So how we light our homes, um, how we heat and cool our homes and the water that we use and the, the energy that we use in our kitchens and um, washing our clothes, right? So that's energy. And then our food, the food category, what we eat and how much of it. If we look at those three categories out of like a, a set of eight, that makes up about 70 to 75% of our total personal carbon emissions, which means if we just pull a few levers within those three, we can reduce our carbon emissions, in our individual carbon emissions and our maybe our family or household carbon emissions by 75%. That's significant. That's going to get us a long way there. Um, it is. And and it, I'm I'm um, I'm a bit of a gadget freak, so I use a lot of electricity, and I would love to figure out how to run all of the electric gadgets. You know, I have I basically I have a radio studio in my office, and that's aside from all of the other electrical, you know, entertainment centers and stuff. Um, the kitchen you mentioned, um, you know, I'm I'm not real crazy about cutting back on using electricity, but I would be thrilled to figure out a way to get electricity in a much greener way. Right. So one one important lever. There's a couple. Is to call your utility and say, you know, how much would it cost more each month? for you to provide 100% renewable energy to me, just a mix of renewable energy. Sometimes that's expensive. It's expensive. I hear it's like about $90 extra a month in New York. It's only about $6 a month for me here because we have a lot of hydropower in Oregon. I don't know how much that's worth, but it's worth going out to your utility and asking. The second is to say, hey, listen, I'm going to skew my utility. I'm going to go out to a third party provider that's going to provide me with renewable energy. And the third, which is sort of, a, it's a, it's becoming almost a necessity, which is to have a backup generator, 
right, like a mm-hmm. Tesla power wall. One, because we're, we're having a more frequent and extreme uh, weather, weather events, events yep, right? Absolutely. So people people's power is going down more often, and it's disruptive. But like a Tesla Powerwall is a, a battery power, but it can also there's there's also generators that are solar generators, which are backup generators, and you can use that to power your radio station and all your gadgets and electronics. Totally renewable, not emitting any you know carbon into the atmosphere. And it, it provides you redundancy. Yeah, see, I've been watching for that. And it, and it seems like the prices are coming down, that it's yeah. getting to be a little bit more accessible. But let's talk about transportation because, um, as I mentioned earlier, being close to Detroit, you know, I've been around the automotive industry all my life. And I'm watching them put a lot of effort and energy into electric cars and I'm wondering if it wouldn't be wiser to have a long-term plan of more mass transportation than the idea that we've all got to have our own car. Because I hear car guys, car makers, talking about, oh, yeah, pretty soon you won't have to worry about owning a car and parking a car because we'll have these autonomous electric vehicles just buzzing around and you just mm-hmm. call and reserve a ride to wherever, like an Uber and and I'm thinking, why are we going through that step when we could just look at really streamlined, high-tech mass transportation? I, I think I think we need both. Uh, I'm I'm not, I don't think autonomous driving vehicles are going to be in our near future. <laughs> I'm not a big believer in that, but I do think that we we love our automobiles here in the United States. You know, we, we like to be independent and autonomous and go on all these rides. People are not going to abandon their personal vehicles, and so we really do have to electrify those as quickly as possible. Um, if you're in urban environments, that transition to, you know, biofuel-based buses, you know, that are fueled by biofuels um, or electric buses in California, I mean, and electric trains, um, those are starting to happen. You know, Delta is um, talking about you know short haul air flight yeah. using hydrogen power, right? So this is this is all happening, and we definitely need to do this because we're globalized, and so much of our production is abroad, overseas. But we're not ready yet as a nation to give up our personal automobiles, and those are emitting you know carbon into the atmosphere every single day. So we do need to electrify those pretty quickly. And also I would say if you're not an urban or suburban dweller, if you're living in a rural community, countryside, you just don't have access to a lot of public transportation systems. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, And, you know, I, of course, think of my, you know, in my own situation, um, I played uh, drums in a band professionally for years, and I, I tried to imagine getting more into public transportation. I thought, there's, you know, there's no way I'm going to drag a set of drums onto a bus. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen that, though. <laughs> I, me, not so much. Although, I, I've seen, you know situations in new york and los angeles i've seen pictures of guys you know figuring out ways to 
you know, get their kit in, you know, to fit inside each other and into one case, and they're they're figuring it out. Oh, yeah. I've seen bases on the subways, for sure. I've been going uptown, downtown to other gigs. That's fun. Um, so, and the third area is food. Um, yes. Isn't that just a matter of... Um, as consumers being a little smarter about where we're getting our food? Oh, gosh, it's a whole host of things. Uh, yes, we should eat, we should go back to eating seasonal produce, local produce, get away from the industrial, industrial agricultural system that's just wrecking havoc in, in, in multiple ways. But it's also, frankly, I'm sorry, um, is we're just eating too much meat too much animal meat. Uh, and so that's a function of animals require land to graze on. They require food <laughs> to grow. And wouldn't it be better? A lot, like 70%, don't quite quote me on that, but I, I believe around 70% of all the food that we grow, like the, the grains that we grow here in the United States, actually gets fed to cattle. And then we, you know, so that they can grow and beef up and um, we can then slaughter them so that we can then put the meat into the grocery stores to then eat, right? So it's, it's this whole perverse system of we're growing food so that we can feed the cattle, but we need that food really for the human populations. Um, and it's, we, we need the land um, not for grazing, but for growing food. Food, especially if we're going to be growing to nine billion to eleven billion individuals on this planet, so it's this, and and also they burp and they, you know, they pass gas and <laughs> Boy, you know, there's, that's that a lot nicely. of methane. Huh? Boy, did you deal with methane nicely. <laughs> I know, I know. It's not, it's not easy to talk about. But it's this idea that also they're, they're contributing literally to you know, the climate crisis. So why not just eat less, move away from that? There's some great alternative proteins out there that are really good, you know, by putting out by meaty and impossible foods and beyond meat that literally look Feel they and are, taste like regular meat. They are getting better. They are. The offerings are getting much better, and that's why I asked at the at the beginning, Kate, if you know if if we're starting to catch on, and more importantly, are we catching on and adjusting quickly enough? I think that we have we have all the knowledge that we need to 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 mitigate the climate crisis. Um, but we need the will, the personal will, the corporate will, the political will of the nations to be able to do that. Renewable energy is more cost-effective to produce and to develop now than all the fossil fuel industries combined. Uh, we just need to adopt these technologies and transition to a, a slightly different way of, of living. Um, but uh, we don't have a lot of time to do that. And there's a lot of myths and disinformation out there. Yeah, I keep hearing different dates for, you know, if we haven't done this by this time, 
and you know we need to by a certain time make sure that um, global warming doesn't reach two degrees you know higher than normal and so on but it it um, I, I'm just not sure who's who's getting it right do you know what I mean there's a lot well, of people that, talking about it, but yeah. who are the credible sources? Where where do we get the good information? So I think the credible sources are the climate scientists that are doing all of the research, and they publish their reports and their, their data um, through the UN IPCC climate reports every four or five years. The problem is it's dense. And it's hard to understand, and it's, it's a little bit meaningless to individuals, right? Scientists don't, are, are not compelling, and yeah. they're not good Yeah, where uh, are the Carl Sagan's? People. I know, I know. <laughs> the people who can translate science into language that people can understand and trust. Well, we have Bill Nye, the science guy. He's well, yeah. on board. yeah. Yeah, no? Bill Nye's okay. Yeah, we've and got Gene Fonda. Ty- and we've got <laughs> well, Tyson's okay. Um, uh, we've got a few. I mean, and, um, yeah, I know. I get it. I, I think that, so the scientists are getting it right. There's great concern. I mean, there's, I think the issue is, um, I don't want to get too scientific, but it's the this idea that if we go too high, and the the you know the atmosphere warms up too much. There's going to have there's going to be these cascading effects. They're called you know um, positive feedback loops, but they're not positive. They're really really bad because they cannot be stopped. Positive is they just grow upon each other. Um, so that if we get too hot, if it get too warm in the air, and the seas get too warm, you know the the marine life dies off. Um, you know, the seas rise too much. There's going to be human migration away from these areas that are, you know, low sea levels. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be less food productivity, right? The soils are not going to be very productive. There's, there's going to be a whole host of things that are going to cascade from increasing air temperatures that we're not going to be able to control. We're just going to have to manage maybe poorly through. Well, I know that sounds awful. No, it's it's something that we have to address and and we have to face and and people have to know that it's um, that there's more to it than paper or plastic. There's a lot more to it than paper and plastic. Mm-hmm. And and how it managed to get so political, I don't know. It seems like something we can all sit down and say, "Hey, there's stuff going on here and there are things we can do about it. Let's let's get on it." I do. I think you're right. I, I really do. I think that it has been politicized, climate change, and it's not. It's a climate system. And if we can just say, hey, and, and you know what? I think that the summer of 2021 has been a real eye-opener, was a real eye-opener for a lot of people on all fronts. I think you know, Liberals right. and conservatives, Republicans and Democrats and independents, because there was so much weather disruption that you almost could not deny the fact that something was happening and, and, and not a good thing. Yeah, I, I, I always 
think of, you know, in, in Michigan, and I don't know what the weather's like in Oregon, but in the wintertime, we get snow days where everybody gets snowed in. The snow is just too deep to drive in or get to work or whatever. And you get hung up for a day or two, and sometimes people try and get out in it and end up stuck. And it doesn't matter whether they're Republicans or Democrats or Libertarians or members of the Green Party. And it doesn't matter if somebody is any one of those things when they come out to help, you know, push a car out of a snowbank or out of a ditch or something, you know. It, it And this climate situation is really no different than that. It's something, when it happens, it happens to everybody. And we should all be, you know, we should all figure out a way to acknowledge that it's happening and to pool our various perspectives together to come up with uh, ways that that we can solve the problems and and all benefit from those solutions. I agree. I mean, it's, you know, climate change is an equal opportunity impactor. And so we're all going to be impacted, maybe slightly differently, depending on the region where we live. But yeah, we need to come together collectively to try to solve this issue, because it is an existential human crisis. Is, do you get the impression that it is, um, that politics is being shoved out of the conversation a, a little bit, or are, are we still kind of mired in that? And um, on a related note, are corporations and and other people from the the world of business, um, especially those that are really big on the free market, can regular citizens, by the choices they make, influence through free market the decisions that that corporations and and governments, for that matter, make. That is a lot to unpack, but I would say <laughs> <laughs> I would say that most politicians behind closed doors understand and understand the science of, of climate change and know that it, it's happy, happening. I think it's politically expedient to stay in power by arguing that maybe. It's not happening. Um, so I think it's a power trip uh, for some to just say, hey, listen, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is human-induced. I'm not sure if this is really happening. But I think closed doors, they, they know the science of it. I think corporations fully understand, and they do see a path forward. There are, we, we have to change our manufacturing system, and that's a really tough ask because it's been set up for so long the way it currently stands, right? The Industrial Revolution happened a long time ago. Well, that's why I wonder, Kate, if consumer demand and free market forces can make the difference, or does it take too long for it to happen that way? I think the millennials and Gen Z are adamant that the, the system, these systems, these, these cultural, social, economic, and political systems have to change. And they're angry about it, and they're calling out 
people and organizations. And so it's a reputational issue, and I think that's really smart. So, yeah, they can. Um, it can't be – the burden can't solely be placed on individuals. So the corporations and other entities have to really say, you know, we, we really got to change something. This, we're ruining the planet. Uh, and we're, we're ruining people's lives. Um, and they have to see that they can't exist if society is not healthy and the environment's not healthy. I don't know how long that's going to take. Uh, it, it might take another decade or so. But we're, we're going down a bad path, and so we need to quickly, um, you know, we're gonna, I think we're, gonna, we're sort of at that V stage where we're going down still, <laughs> the, the left side of the V, but we're going to have to quickly ramp up at some point. And I do think that's going to be in the next decade. Well, I'm fascinated by this subject, and, and it's a delight talking with you, Kate. And, and uh, I always give guests, we're, we're almost out of time, although I feel like we could go on and on because there's lots more to talk about. But um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work. Obviously, the book, Planting a Seed, Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living, is a great place to start. But um, do you have a website, Kate? I do, I do. So I've got two websites. Uh, for the book, it's kategartner.com. Uh, and you can, if, you, if you're interested in buying and reading the book, you can get it on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. But I would, you know, there's this, the, the biggest independent bookstore located here in Oregon. It's Powell's Books. So consider purchasing from your local bookstore or Powell's. Um, I also have a corporate sustainability website, and it's triple win advisory.com and you can learn more about what we do with companies well Kate thank you so much for spending this uh, time with me and the listeners and uh, keep up the good work thank you Tom I really appreciate your time all right take care bye bye again that is uh, corporate sustainability expert Kate Gartner and the book is Planting a Seed, Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. Hey! (laughs) This is the Unknown Comic and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now! And now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Quiplet Technology, Mark Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. 
This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom It's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov ag for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone. I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say just a few words about North Carolina, my home state, possibly the finest state in this entire union. We got industry of all kinds, pretty country, raised corn, cotton, tobacco, peaches, peanuts, all like that. Got colleges all over the state, fine quality, pretty girls, and run off the finest white lightning made anywhere. 
Hey, I see you all ain't forgot your raisin. <laughs> but it is. It, it's, uh, well, this, uh, this government stuff that you all use up here in New York and all, that'll kill you. It, it will. You can't tell what's in it. Here last, uh, last New Year's Eve, I was up in New York, and uh, I, got, I got betrayed into drinking several, several folks' health. And uh, I was trying to be as, you know, as robust as I could about it. And uh, I kept on drinking their healths, friends, till I'll tell you the truth, my own pretty near become endangered. <laughs> but, well, now that's not true about white lightning. Now you can tell what's in that because you can see through it. <laughs> and I never shall forget my first swallow of it. I, I took a good one and I swallowed her down and she hit bottom. And, and my face turned red, my eyes rolled back, and I gagged just a little bit. And then by and by, I got over it. And some of the boys says, how are you? And I says, boys, I'm doing fine, gaining ground all the time. And I think I've got her if she don't jump. <laughs> yes, sir. I says, says, give me just a minute to rest, and I'll try her again. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was one fella that lived there close to me there a while, fellow named Sam Wood, and he did. He made the best they was made anywhere around, but he had bad luck with it. He uh, seemed like every time he'd run off a batch, why, he'd get caught, and he was on the county roads so long and got so old that they finally just put him to a cooking, and he was serving up the boys one night. He was serving up a mess of creasy salad. That's turnip greens. It's, it's not really. I just don't know what else to call them, but he was serving them up, and one of them called him back. Says, Sam, says, come in. Says, there's a lizard in my greens. <laughs> Sam looked back and forth and says, hush. Says, the others will want one too. <laughs> they, I, I mean, they might be good fixed right. <laughs> Sam, he, uh, he used to, he had bad trouble with drinking a whole lot of it too. But uh, he quit about, oh, five, six, seven years ago. And I got to talking about it with him one time. I says, Sam, did you ever have the DTs? He says, boy, I had them when they first come out. <laughs> now, I'd like to report to you here that there is excellent progress going on all over. Down there, even in, in the most backwoods communities at home, they're getting all kinds of modern conveniences. There was a fella that worked at the same factory that I used to with my daddy there in Mount Airy, and he come in out of the mountains one morning just as mad as he could be. And he says, Carl, says the people up there in the mountains get to act just like the people in town. Says there's a family of them up there close to us that started putting screens on their windows. Shutting the flies out on everybody else. <laughs> and, well, then too, I think this is pretty good. Uh, nearly all, nearly all of our local officials can read and write now. <laughs> they can. And some of them do their own punctuating. <laughs> they was... They was, they was one in particular that I remember. He was learning pretty good. And he is down at the barber shop reading the paper and showing off. <laughs> and, well, he is, he is reading along and he says, uh, says, I see him while so-and-so paid the spring sacrifice. 
And the barber says, yeah, I heard where he is killed. Says, don't say he is killed. Says he paid the supreme sacrifice. <laughs> it's not very funny. I just thought I'd tell you. <laughs> and we are, we are thrifty. I'm proud of that. I had an uncle one time. He said he bought him a new pair of shoes off a fella. Said he paid $3 and a quarter for them. Pretty brown shoes. And said he put them on, and he was walking on uptown. And said he was walking along, and said his left shoe commenced to hurt him a little. And he was limping just a little bit, and said he was walking on, and he passed one of his friends. Says, what are you limping for? He says, I bought these shoes, and this left one's hurting me just a little. He says, why don't you cut them? He says, I ain't gonna cut these shoes. Says, I paid three dollars and a quarter for them. He kept on walking, there's a hurting worse, and he got studying about that thing. And he got studying, maybe that fella had something about cutting that shoe. He says, I took my knife, and I cut a little hole just about that size, right where the sore was. And he says, yeah, you know, I wouldn't took three dollars and a quarter for that hole. <laughs> well, <laughs> he told me that, and I had to get up off the porch. <laughs> but now, them of you that has to live here in Washington, there's a whole lot to be admired about, about Washington, too. Cherry trees, monuments, and everything like that. The main thing, though, that I admire about Washington are the pretty girls, and I'm bound to say that. They are as pretty and well-built as any I ever seen tried to fill a balloon dress. <laughs> and I love to look at them. My wife told me a long time ago, she says, you can look at the pretty girls, but don't you never touch them. And friends, I've tried to live by that. Of course, that throws me to do an extra lot of looking just to make up for that one handicap. <laughs> well, I reckon we might as well go right ahead and get right on into the service. Is the choir ready? This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. I have to lay low for a while, so I'll be staying here inside. It's too dangerous out in the world. I'll see you on the other side. I'm in my quarantine In my little place too high My heart is aching and I'm missing you I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side We're all in for a bumpy ride You hear. I hold on to this phone so tight Then I'll whisper you a goodnight kiss I'll see you on the other side When I crawl out of my cage When the world is purified I will find you and I promise this I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side 
other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide See you on the other side See you on the other side See you on the other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide See you on the other side Hey, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to all my guests, uh, starting with this past hour, with uh, corporate sustainability and responsibility uh, expert Kate Gartner, author of Planting a Seed, Three Simple Ways to Sustainable Living. And uh, before that, we got a chance to talk with... Um, God, who do we have in the middle? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Riley Redgate. And uh, we started out this morning uh, with the um, author of Crazy Ambulance Tales, Chris Treese. Anyway, that's Smoking George Winters. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to, to the living room for the weekend. But I'll be back Monday with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.